they call it media availability. They call it a press conference. If you are even remotely familiar with the Super Bowl, it's so much more than that. As bad as we trust, baby! <laughs> hear you Chris Jones in spags we trust like we said after the conference championship games if there is one show in the NFL universe that trusts in Steve Spagnolo, let it be this one I love it giving the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator some well-deserved shine hi there welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon I am Dave Hellman and it is day two of Super Bowl week we have jumped so far off of our regular schedule. It's the Super Bowl. We're bringing you content every single day. Like I keep saying, you're going to want to tune in for all of it. If you're not subscribed on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't found our YouTube channel, deviate from what you're doing. Go subscribe to that. Click the little button. Make sure you're on schedule to get all of our shows, all of our updates, loaded Super Bowl week. We got shows coming to you every single day. We are going to make sure you are ready for this game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. And and the circus part, well, uh, the whole week is a circus, let's be fair. But the hoopla, the, the craziest part is the beginning. Monday night is opening night on Super Bowl week. They call it media availability. They call it a press conference. If you are even remotely familiar with the Super Bowl, it's so much more than that. The Chiefs and the 49ers talk to the media on national TV. Let that sink in. Only the NFL, only the NFL could turn this into a nationally televised event. Hundreds and hundreds of reporters. And we're going to do a podcast to break the whole thing down. And fortunately for us, we're not just limited to to TV and sound bites posted to social media. We actually have boots on the ground in Las Vegas. Our two Fox Sports writers, Ben Arthur and Ralph Vacchiano, were on hand for the proceedings at opening night. Had a chance to catch up with both of them. We're going to start. The way the night started, it started with the defending champs, the AFC champ, Kansas City Chiefs, went to Allegiant Stadium first for their first taste of the frenzy that is opening night. Had a chance to catch up with Ben Arthur about the sights and sounds from the Chiefs' press availability. And uh, it's, it's been absolute. <laughs> Y'all are firing me up. Make me want to play right now, baby. <laughs> I love the booze more than I love the cheers, baby. Keep them coming, Niners gang. Keep them coming. All right, Ben, let's start this thing at the end, technically after the Chiefs' media availability. It sounds like they got a very healthy chorus of booze from the San Francisco part of this opening night crowd. What were the vibes there as uh, maybe the Chiefs got a little added motivation? Yeah, it definitely seemed like uh, the Chiefs were kind of getting the, the brunt of the booze. Like, whenever, like, who was it? Like, Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, whenever they were speaking, uh, like, a, lo- a loud chorus of booze, and, and then whenever it was George Kittle or Christian McCaffrey who got MVP chance or Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, uh, a lot of cheers. And, and uh, just for context, that may have a little bit to do with scheduling. 
here at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, the Chiefs already had their opening night media availability. And uh, the San Francisco 49ers are going later. And so uh, it's possible that a lot of the Chiefs fans could have maybe already begun leaving. And then it was really the Chief, uh, the 49ers fans pouring in. But it, it, yeah, it definitely seemed like uh, heavy 49ers faithful here, um, at least at this portion of the night. So I thought that was really fascinating. And that actually happened just before I got on this call with you. So, um, so yeah, if anything, this is more motivation for, for the Chiefs who uh, definitely feel like underdogs. And, and I think when this Chiefs team, I think that's really been a theme throughout the season, feeling like underdogs. If anything, this is more fuel for them. That, that's kind of my gut reaction to that. It reminds me of something Chris Jones said when he was talking to y'all during this media availability is basically, I, I don't know when we became so hated. It feels like the chiefs have kind of lived long enough to see them be, see themselves become the villains, but that does seem like the case here. I have a feeling the chiefs aren't going to have a hard time using that as motivation heading into this game. Yeah, I think it's just kind of another thing added to the list, right? I mean, we saw the way they played this season. We saw the offensive struggles. Uh, we saw a lot uh, of kind of like criticism just in the media, national media at large about kind of how this team isn't equipped to get to this point. Um, and, and so to, to have kind of what happened tonight with, with all the booing, I think it just kind of gets added to the folder for these Chiefs. And, and I think this year we've seen them kind of channel a, a different kind of energy. I mean, in, in previous years, everyone expected them to kind of be at this point and uh, I think with this just kind of being a different iteration of the Chiefs and them being defensive-led, uh, just kind of being embodied by having that chip, I think this is just kind of what's happened tonight is just kind of more fuel to them. Uh, so it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how that plays out on the game on Sunday. Speaking of, and this was another thing that I was really interested in, you know, from the chiefs media availability was having a chance to listen to Steve Spagnolo talk to reporters he actually did say, Hey, I'd like to have another shot at a head coaching opportunity, but getting to all these super bowls year after year, that's, that's not too bad either. I wonder what a stage like this can be as a springboard. If Sp Steve Spagnolo wants another head coaching opportunity, beating an offense that's this explosive and this efficient be a hell of a thing to add to an already impressive resume. Yeah, it would do wonders for him. And, and obviously the NFL has gone a lot younger, right? We're seeing kind of like the, um, kind of like the hot shot, you know, offensive play callers or even the former players uh, who are maybe defensive coordinators uh, in their thirties, like whether it's a D'Amico Ryans or that type. Or even uh, uh, McDonald's, who just got hired by the Seahawks, who's the Ravens DC. We've seen a lot of younger guys get hired now, but I think if Spagnola can, can put together another dominant performance, I mean, you, you, I think you have to start maybe thinking about him for the 2025 cycle. And that's something I actually wanted to bring up, Dave. Like how the Chiefs players talked about Spags today. That was one of the things that maybe stood out the most. Like Trent McDuffie, I was talking with him, and he was like. He definitely has like a father figure type of presence. Chris Jones was saying uh, how this defense, uh, you know, led by Spags has a, a kind of a sense of brotherhood that he's never had in the NFL. Uh, he's also talked about how um, like he goes to chapel or something like that with, uh, with Spags on Saturdays. It's been another way for them to bond. So I think the connectedness of this defense 
is really special, something we haven't seen, and, and we know they've been playing at a high level, but how close they are has really stood out to me. And, and just with talking to folks on the floor uh, behind me, and, um, and, and yeah, that all starts with Spags. Uh, like this is a defensive led team and it starts with him. It's incredible. I mean, it, it, like you said, it's been the story of their season. If they manage to hold this 49ers offense down enough to win this game, it's, it's crazy to think that that could be the story more so than, than the headliners like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball. Although I did think it was interesting. You know, there's going to be a lot of retirement speculation swirling around Travis Kelsey. Another big nugget that came out of this media availability, Travis Kelsey saying, I can't imagine not doing this as long as I'm able. So without overreacting too much, sounds like uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to have his number one option there beyond this game. Yeah, no, it, it does. And I think we were talking about this a, a couple of days ago, Dave, like how I just don't see a situation where Kelsey calls it quits. I mean, he's still playing at a really high level. Uh, we obviously know that this regular season hasn't been up to his standard and people are kind of saying, oh, he, he kind of looks a step slower, kind of getting close to his mid-30s. But the way he's turned it on the end of the season after Christmas and, and in particular in the playoffs, these first three games, I mean, he, he still looks like he has that dog in him. Like, he, he really still looks like he has a lot left in the tank, and that connection that he has with Patrick Mahomes is still uh, as strong as ever. And, and so regardless of maybe what happens in this game on Sunday, I can see them kind of running it back. Like, I, I just don't see Kelsey being in a position to where, uh, you know, he, he wants to hang it up. Like, I think he still has a lot left in the tank. He's still one of the, the top three tight ends in the league. Uh, and so, so yeah, um, what, what he said today on the floor kind of, uh, affirmed like what I believed heading into this week. So those feel like the headlines coming out of the chiefs half of this, but I mean, this is, this is an overwhelming experience. You know, they introduced these teams like boxers and there's Lord knows how many members of the media there for such a, for such a crazy experience, anything else in particular stand out to you? It doesn't even have to be some major storyline, but just the sights and sounds of this, what was your favorite part of it? Yeah, I think, I mean, just the biggest thing, like being the, uh, the fans, like all the energy that's here. Um, like it's a, like, yeah, I think you guys can kind of hear it behind me, but, uh, this is a, uh, like a great crowd. Um, the NFL has really done like a great job in terms of like marketing Super Bowl week and whatnot. But uh, there, there are a lot of a uh, lot of fans of both teams, obviously, um, and they've gotten really engaged just throughout the night from the players coming out through the tunnel to go to their podiums to uh, like the joint team stuff that happened not too long ago. I think the energy, the, the vibes is, is definitely like the biggest thing. Um, I, I think with, with the Super Bowl media availability for opening night, a, a lot of the times uh, the players are kind of getting the same questions over and over again. and a lot of fan type questions like what your what's your favorite food what's uh, on your playlist what music like what music are you listening to so there is a lot of that too um but but that happens kind of every super bowl but but i would say just from the fan experience perspective and this being my first one uh, i think that really stood out to me yeah man I, I mean it's crazy i think the nfl the the press conference to start the week has become on par with some sports actual championship events. That's barely, 
an exaggeration. It's absolutely crazy. Ben Arthur, you're going to be in Vegas for us all this week. If you're not already paying attention, please go find what he's writing for us on FoxSports.com on the Fox Sports app. We're going to have coverage all week long. We'll have Ben back on the pod as well. Ben, I appreciate it so much, man. Thanks as always. Appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. You know, for a minute there, it felt like we were set up for a heavyweight bout, Vegas style, right there at Allegiant Stadium. The booing at the end of the Chiefs session led in to the 49ers media session. Felt like we had a a real event on our hands. And I'm not going to call it boring, but a much more understated, much more, it felt like business-like approach from the San Francisco 49ers side of things. Leave it to Brock Purdy, the youngest guy, the guy that everybody thinks isn't supposed to be here, to sort of just answer everything the right way. A very, like I said, understated approach from the 49ers as they seek to win their first Super Bowl since the 1994 season. Ralph Vacchiano was on hand to take in everything from the 49ers session what Brock Purdy had to say, Kyle Shanahan as well. Still plenty of interesting things to glean from maybe a a slightly less raucous 49ers press availability. Well, it's, it's, it's funny to hear Jed say that because it wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean, when owner comes in after training camp practices and is like, Hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter or the second and you and irritation go, I don't know, but our third guy's the best. Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more – Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. All right, Ralph, you know, we we heard the, the other side of this story from 49ers CEO Jed York about a week ago. And here at, at opening night, we get Kyle Shanahan's side of the story that apparently he thought Brock Purdy was their best quarterback this entire time. Yeah, I mean, he look, he loves everything about Brock Purdy. Uh, he says he loves him from the absolute start. Um, you know, he's he praises him constantly. He thinks he's one of the best stories that the NFL has and, you know, should be right up there with all the rest of the elite quarterbacks. I don't think it's any surprise. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit of revisionist history. It's hard to tell. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan insists that Brock Purdy is his guy for a reason. It's not a happy accident. He just thinks he's that, that talented and that good. You know, Shorty wants to pump up his guy a little bit, too, in, in heading into his biggest game where a lot of people don't think he belongs on the same field with Patrick Mahomes. But obviously, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers do. That's the perfect segue because, and look, we were talking about this before we started recording, is these these media nights have become, it's such a circus. You got celebrities there. You got all all kinds of you know, it's such a big moment. And obviously Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a lot of members of the Kansas city chiefs have been through this before Brock Purdy has not. And yet he seemed to handle the whole thing just with this air of, of cool and, and casual. You know, I see a lot of people bring up Joe Montana these days when they talk about him. And that's kind of what it reminded me of is he just, he looked really unflappable dealing with, with a very stressful environment, which I guess at this point shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, it shouldn't be. I mean, to be a quarterback who gets his team to this point, you sort of have to have ice in your veins and not be phased by the stuff around you. He's obviously been in big games, been in big situations. I'm sure there was a little part of him that looked around, saw the, the, I mean, the stadium was half full 
the whole lower bowl was filled just to get a glimpse of these guys and listen to them talk. Uh, that's unusual. So I'm sure part of him was looking around thinking that this is obviously something different. I'm sure that, you know, maybe there were a little bit of nerves and maybe that'll creep in as you get closer to the game. But, um, you know, if he was a guy who could be rattled, he probably wouldn't have gotten this far. They probably wouldn't be riding him all the way to the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, just part of who he is, what's in his DNA. Along those same lines, what's, what's your impression of the mindset of this 49ers team. And I I don't want to suggest that obviously the chiefs want to win this game. I think the chiefs understand the magnitude or, or the implication of if they manage to go back to back and what that means. But you think about the guys on this San Francisco team from Kyle Shanahan on down who have had these missed opportunities. It seems like maybe there's a little bit of an edge in, in their demeanor, knowing that they have a chance to end this this championship drought for the 49ers. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's an edge or not, because I think the the Chiefs have a pretty good attitude about this too. But there's definitely a business sense with the 49ers, even though you know they haven't experienced it as much as the Chiefs has. They're acting like a team that's been there before. Even Brock Purdy, though he hasn't been, um, you know, is sort of acting that part. And I think that comes right from the coach who, you know, has been there a couple of times failed a couple of times, knows how fleeting it is. Uh, you know, talk to George Kittle um, about that, about how, you know, the last time they were there, he came up short. He sat on the sidelines saying to himself, I will get back here. And he knew, knows that it took a lot longer than he expected. So they understand um, that, you know, this is not an opportunity that's going to come around a lot. So they want to make sure they're focused and doing all the right things. And uh, that's good. There are teams that do show up sometimes and really have an attitude of, uh, you know, I don't know, they're a little too loose or a little bit uh, too excited to be here. I did not get that sense at all from the 49ers. I'm glad you mentioned Kittle on a, on a team full of personality. There might not be a better quote on the 49ers roster than George Kittle. So I'm talking about how Nick Bosa's got bigger quads than his torso talking about who's the better tight end between him and Travis Kelsey. What kind of what kind of gems did we get from George Kittle at this uh, media opportunity here? Oh, he was all over the map. He's he is such a great personality, so comfortable. Whether it's talking about the WWE or his love of soccer, you know, there's a lot of uh, kid reporters that are out here for Nickelodeon and uh, other outlets, and he's so charming with them too. It's actually kind of a shame because uh, he's so good and such a good media personality, but the crowd around him was about half the size as it was for Travis Kelsey, who's obviously good in his own right, but much, much bigger celebrity. So uh, that was kind of interesting to see. But you know, George Kittle's a charmer um, and had nothing but good things to say about Travis Kelsey, obviously. He idolized him, thinks the world of him, and you know isn't jealous of him in the least, even though there's no doubt that Kelsey's the bigger star here. Well, unfortunately for George Kittle, he doesn't have any details about the new Taylor Swift album, right? That's true. <laughs> I'm curious, another guy that I, I want to make sure we mention, and we talked about this in the in the preview episode where we talked about the storylines. One guy that stood out to me for this 49ers team was Charvarius Ward, who was obviously a member of the Kansas City Chiefs last time we did this. I just want to shout out his his honesty. And I mean, the guy just seems like a very straightforward quote talking about, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed my time with the Chiefs, but the 49ers offered me the bag and you've got to take that opportunity when you can get it. No hard feelings with the Kansas city chiefs, obviously, but as a chance to, to win a super bowl after taking care of himself personally as well. 
Yeah, you know, there's no bad blood there. There's no looking for revenge or any kind of storyline like that. It's almost sounded like it's just a coincidence that he's here playing against his old team. So, uh, you know, he's another one. This is a very mature 49ers team. They seem to have the right attitude, the right answers for just about everything. They're not going to, you know, certainly not going to create any headlines. I bounced around to probably a dozen different guys and not a lot jumps out that you think is going to, you know, make the old back pages of the papers or, uh, the, the front, uh, the top line of a digital site or something like that, they're boring and they're about business and they're about football. And, uh, you know, there's some good stories there, but, uh, you know, they have one purpose in mind and they're not going to let anything distract them. I think that's, that's a really good point. And it's, it's very interesting to me because like Kyle Shanahan, obviously looking for his first championship, all of these, these veterans on the 49ers lost this game four years ago. And even the newcomers like Purdy and we forget Christian McCaffrey has never played in a game of this magnitude. Like, but there's, there's this quiet confidence on the 49ers that suggests that they like the chiefs have, have won a couple of these things, even though they haven't, where do you think that comes from? You know, I think it comes from the fact that they're not a stranger to big games. You know, this is a team that has been incredibly successful the last three years, uh, been to the NFC championship three years in a row. And I realize that's not the Super Bowl. And until you get to the Super Bowl, you know, as a player or a coach, you can't even realize that that's not the Super Bowl. It's another magnitude of, uh, you know, just excitement and intensity and attention and all of that. But it's not like they came out of nowhere. Uh, they're used to big games that matter a lot. They've lost some big games. They understand how much that hurts. Uh, and it does mature the team. There's, a, there's, I mean, most of this team, has at least that championship game experience and all the key players have that championship game experience. And I think that that's, that's big. It's not completely preparing them for this, but it comes pretty close. I think that's my biggest takeaway is in terms of being ready for, for the magnitude of this spotlight and the circus that comes with playing this game. There are plenty of other great teams in the NFL. I don't know if there are any others that are as well suited for this as the Chiefs and the 49ers. Ralph, you're going to be in Vegas for the rest of the week. If you're not aware, like we said earlier, please take a look at, at what he's putting out for us on foxsports.com, on the Fox Sports app. We're going to have content throughout the week for Super Bowl 58. Ralph, as always, thanks again, my man. My pleasure, Dave, anytime. Thanks to Ben and Ralph for helping me cover, the. we'll call it the theme of opening night, but look, there's, there's 53 guys on each team and all of them have microphones in their face. So it's impossible to cover every single aspect of every soundbite that comes out of this crazy night, but we're going to summarize it all for you on your, I don't know, on your commute or your walk or, or whatever it is you're doing while you're with us today. And we're going to give you our five favorite soundbites from Super Bowl opening night before we move on to the matchups and the X's and O's take you through the five best things or our five favorite things anyway that got said between the Chiefs and the Niners starting out where else would we start out other than Taylor Swift because of course Travis Kelsey was going to be asked about her the night after she won album of the year at the Grammys she's uh she's unbelievable she's uh she's rewriting the history books herself uh I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware too we throw around the phrase power couple a lot, but it's hard to beat this. Taylor Swift's album Midnight's wins her fourth album of the year Grammy on Sunday night, setting music industry history. 
And oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey, he already beat out Jerry Rice for the most playoff receptions in NFL history earlier this month. And he's going for his third Super Bowl championship this coming weekend, which is a day after she plays a sold out show in Tokyo. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. But no disrespect to Travis. I care a lot less about all of that and a lot more about Taylor Swift dropping the track list for her new album. She announces the new album, The Tortured Poets Department, on Sunday. And then while Travis is talking, or right after he's talking, she drops the track list, and he's off the podium before we can ask him about it. I'm sure he wouldn't give us any details anyway. But, but Travis, who is the, man, the smallest man that ever lived? What, why is there a song about Florida? What happened in Florida? I need answers. And even if he wouldn't have answered, it would have been awfully fun to have Travis Kelsey on the microphone while his girlfriend's track list dropped on social media. Chalk it up to bad timing or knowing Taylor Swift, chalk it up to her devious mindset, knowing exactly when to do it right after he got done talking to the media. Okay. This concludes the Swifty portion portion of the show. I apologize if you're not one. It had to be addressed. Let's keep it moving, although we're going to stay with the tight end position because the next best sound clip I heard was from Travis Kelsey's San Francisco counterpart, George Kittle, who was asked about their friendship. Um, you know, Travis is a guy who I watched his film when I was in college. Um, when I ended up trading jerseys with him, it was one of the coolest moments ever. When he said what's up to me in 2018, my second year, when we played the Chiefs, I was kind of, you know, like, wow, this is one of the coolest days of my life. And so I'm a huge fan of Travis Kelsey. And the fact that I've been able to become friends with him, uh, peers with him, run tight in you with him, just get to know him. It's been awesome. And for someone I've looked up to, what looked up to his game, watched so much of his film, um, anything that he says nice about you, it feels great. He's a fantastic football player. He's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, like, anything that you can get from Travis Kelsey, it's awesome. And the fact, you know, your friends, too, it makes it a little bit sweeter as well. Stuff like this just reminds you of how quickly time moves in the NFL. You, you, like, you know, we think of George Kittle and Travis Kelsey as being of the same generation, and they are. They're playing against each other in a Super Bowl. They're friends for several years at this point. Tight end U is their offseason camp that always gets such great content in the summer. But consider, Travis Kelsey was already a two-time All-Pro when George Kittle got drafted. It's easy to forget. He had been in the league for four years when George Kittle was an unknown fifth-round pick out of Iowa to the 49ers, not even close to being a superstar. And it's easy to forget. It feels like George Kittle's been an all-pro forever because he was all-pro his second year in the league, but it's, it's, it's easy to lose track of these timelines and think, holy cow, when you came into the league, you looked up to Travis Kelsey as a college player. When you were working on your craft at Iowa, he was probably a guy whose game you paid attention to. And now your buddies going against each other in the Super Bowl. I don't know. I just think it's cool. And it's easy to lose track of that when these guys have been doing their thing for as long as they have. All right. It's the Super Bowl. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit of legacy. Patrick Mahomes had a lot of stuff to say, as you might expect from the best player in this game. But nothing was more interesting, in my opinion, then asked about the legacy he's trying to chase, none other than Tom Brady. He's going for his third championship already. Long way to go until he gets to seven championships, as Tom Brady has, which is what Patrick discussed. I mean, I'm not even close to halfway, so uh, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I mean, your goal is to be the best player that you can be. 
um, and uh, I know I'm blessed to be with, around a lot of great players around me. Um, and so right now, it's doing whatever I can to beat a great 49ers team and trying to get that third ring. And then if you ask me that question in like 15 years, and I'll see if I can get close to seven, but seven seems like a long ways away still. I wanted to highlight this for one particular reason. And look, nobody's more impressed by Patrick Mahomes than me, I think. I mean, what he's done, I put him on the Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks today at the age of 28. Win or lose against the 49ers, I put him there. Multiple MVPs, multiple championships. His resume stacks up with just about everybody other than Brady, Manning, Montana. I guess you could throw Terry Bradshaw in there as well. The point is, it's not a long list of guys who have accomplished more than him already. But the interesting thing is, for as much as we take it for granted, it's easy to sit here and say four Super Bowl appearances in five years for the Chiefs. They're going to be doing this forever. They're going to be doing this for the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career. And maybe they will, but you certainly can't take it for granted. And nobody proves that point better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady had three championships at the age of 27. It took him after he won the Super Bowl in 2004, his third Super Bowl in the first four years of his career. It took him another decade to get the next one. There were the two failed, the two upset losses to the New York Giants, the failed experiments, the failed undefeated season. It wasn't until 2014 that he got that next championship. And then the Patriots went on another run in the back of the end of his career. My only point is, and, and, and I think that that's a theme for this week is people are maybe tired of seeing Mahomes and the Chiefs succeed. They're tired of seeing them on this stage. And as inevitable as they feel right now, you never know how long that's going to last. So don't take Patrick Mahomes for granted. I know he's not doing that. And I hope fans of the game aren't doing that either because I assume he's got several more championships left in him. But even for a guy as talented as him, you never know. You never know if you're going to get the next one or you never know how long you're going to have to wait. I think that's worth keeping in mind with all of that serious legacy talk out of the way. He did have one more soundbite that I personally, as a Huskier fella, take issue with. Uh, another Super Bowl for sure. I, I have a six pack. It's just under the dad bod. So it's just if you, if you feel I mean, there might be some skin there, but then underneath that, the six packs there, you just got to get real close and you got to squint a little bit and I think you'll see it. For context, Pat was asked if he'd rather have another Super Bowl ring or six-pack abs. And that is because of the photo of him going around after the win against Baltimore, standing in the locker room, looking like a pretty normal guy. But you know what? Patrick, I stop it. Stop it. We're not calling Patrick Mahomes a dad bod. Maybe Patrick Mahomes in a league full of super freaks, sure, he's got a more average build, but I can show you a dad bod and it's not Patrick Mahomes. So like, let us, like I said, let us huskier guys have our wins where we can get them because dad bods are in Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a dad bod. So th this is irrelevant. I personally take offense to it. Let us have our thing, leave the dad bods to the guys who actually have them, but I do appreciate it, Patrick. All right. Wrapping this up the, maybe the biggest personality uh, in a night filled with them, I just don't know if there's a bigger one than George Kittle. We already heard from him once, but we're going to wrap this up with a soundbite that is so ridiculous that th th I don't know how many NFL players could actually invoke Harry Potter as accurately as George Kittle did here when he was asked to sort different members of the 49ers into the four houses of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Yeah, that is a sentence I just said. Listen to George Kittle. 
I feel like Shanahan would be a Ravenclaw. McCaffrey, like, I feel like we have the character to all be in Gryffindor, but I don't want to say that because that's just boring. Um, I'd put Christian in Slytherin because he's just kind of got that, like, he knows a lot of people. Oh, it's my tight ends. What's up, Dwelly? Dwelly, what house would you put Bosa in in Harry Potter? Harry Potter, what house is Bosa? I put Shanahan in Ravenclaw. Yeah, I put I put McCaffrey in Slytherin too. Bosa's Gryffindor, Brock Purdy, Hufflepuff. Okay, let's be blunt. Breaking people down into Harry Potter houses is is cliche at this point. I mean, the books have been out forever. The movies have also been out forever. We've done this to death. I get it. But number one, hearing an NFL player, a jock, if you will, do it so flawlessly and so accurately, which I'm going to get to, number one, that's impressive. And number two, George Kittle doing it on the fly in front of dozens, if not hundreds of strangers, also incredibly impressive. Because I do think he nailed it to a T, and it made me realize the 49ers are a little bit of an allegory for Hogwarts or or vice versa, however you want to phrase it. But think about the way that that story works if you're familiar with Harry Potter. And I'm just going to assume most people listening are at least familiar. But think about it. Slytherin and Gryffindor are like the two main character houses, the good guys and the bad guys, the villainous personalities and the heroic ones. They take up all of, of the oxygen in that world with their arguments and their fights and their attempts to, to be the, the biggest and the best in the school. Same thing with the 49ers, mentioning McCaffrey, Bosa, Kittle himself. But then off to the periphery, you got a Ravenclaw, the, the nerdy, aloof, knowledgeable, educated house. That's Kyle Shanahan running the whole show beautifully stated George Kittle. And then while all this chaos is going on, while all these other three houses, again, are taking up all of the pages, all of the narrative is driven by these three off in the corner, all of the, it's all pulled together and, and kept running by the unassuming Hufflepuffs, the house that is marked by friendliness, kindness, maybe an unassuming nature and a propensity for hard work. Sound like anybody you know? Yeah, Brock Purdy. Maybe it's easy to write the guy off, but it all works because of that one affable personality in the middle of it. And watching all of this play out on opening night, I thought it was really apt. Mr. Irrelevant in the middle of it, kind, maybe to a fault, completely unbothered, and ready to get to work. Am I reading too deep into a joke answer by George Kittle? Absolutely I am. Am I a huge dork? Totally, but that's kind of the theme for opening night is the the knowledge that you can glean from the absurdity of it all. And I appreciate George Kittle for the thought exercise. Brock Purdy, the best Hufflepuff you know. All right, I think that does it for this show. But like I said, there's so much more content coming your way. We've actually got a hybrid episode coming up tomorrow. I'm going to be joined by the guys from Bear Bets to get into the gambling aspect of all of this. It's it's a game in Las Vegas. Of course, we're going to break all of that down. We got plenty of matchup previews coming. We're going to break down every aspect of this game between now and Friday. I can't wait. If you haven't already, like I said, go find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the YouTube channel, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts, wherever you get your NFL news and content, you can find us there. I will be with you 
all week leading up to the game. And of course, we know we're going to have rapid reaction from Super Bowl 58. All that to come. So you don't even have to wait a couple days. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, catch y'all next time.